Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Adam Jones, Gav Buckland, and hopefully Dave Prentice will be slightly late, but we are expecting his presence <laughs> and his wisdom as always. Thank you very much for listening. We are here again to choose fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. There'll be some reflections. Finally, the January window shuts and finally we can talk about the business that was and wasn't done rather than speculating about what could happen. Uh, of course, we will be reflecting on the dramatic, uplifting victory at Watford over the weekend. Um, of course, in the discussion, as we discussed last time, and what that means for potential European qualification. Um, we'll also take your question. We put it out on Twitter just earlier and some interesting questions uh, have come in. So thank you for them. And we'll be hopefully trying to provide some uh, Interesting and insightful answers. Um, so we'll start with very quickly because we won't dwell on it because we talked about it throughout the month and, br- and before January. Um, the window shut Friday, a uh, bit of late movement. Jonas Lossell going out on loan. Uh, just very quickly, Adam, th- thoughts on the window as a whole? Are you comfortable with, with what happened or, and maybe what didn't happen? Yeah, I think with the, the, uh, the current situation that we find ourselves in, you know, both in terms of the finances and with in terms of you know, having a new management team on board. Yeah, I was quite happy with bit, having a bit of a quiet sort of January transfer window and just keeping the focus on the summer. I think it was really, it was really interesting and quite surprising to see Jonas Lossel go uh, uh, right on deadline day. But you know, when you think about it, it's actually not that surprising, really, is it? Because you know, he's obviously got eyes on the Denmark squad for Euro twenty twenty, mm. and uh, you know, he's. N- not got any game time so far at Everton, which is unfortunate for him. Uh, you know, he probably would have had his sights set on Challenge and Pickford for that number one jersey, and it's just not really worked out for him. So hopefully he can pick up a little bit of game time at Huddersfield, and, you know, that's another position that we need to assess in the summer, obviously with Martin Stecklenberg's situation as well. And, you know, for the last couple of months of the season, it might give Jarvis Virginia a bit of a chance to uh, work with the first team, you know, after his loan spell at Redden but yeah I, I think overall yeah I'm quite I'm fairly happy with how January went so let's just let's just focus on the summer Gav comfortable with, with what yeah, was yeah I mean, we spoke about we had a more detailed discussion about this last week didn't we that you were given our just come in our financial constraints the fact that we've got quite a few players who we're going to find difficult to move on um, that was quite January to be expected. I would be more worried if it had been a busy January. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a quiet January is a good January. Reflecting the game, why the game, isn't it? I think there's talk now of trying to change the transfer windows around and stuff, isn't it? Because they mm. realise January is no longer like sort of uh, the best time to buy. So, but for us as a club, yeah, perfectly uh, acceptable. I mean, we've got Tosin's gone on loan, hasn't he? For the start, so that's mm. that's a positive as such. He gets a bit of game time, he reduces the wage bill, so and maybe gives him a bit of a sort of window to moving away, perhaps in the summer. So that was mm-hmm. it. That was a positive one. Yeah, no complaints from me. And uh, you know, the 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 summer will be the next uh, big deal. I think. Indeed, and we will talk in length in the coming months, no doubt, ahead of the summer. But we will leave uh, transfer talk to one side for now. Um, 
How many times have you both watched the winning goal from Vicarage Road? <laughs> <laughs> uh, countless. Not just not just for the goal itself, but for the celebrations. <laughs> because I just love that fella who ends up upside down and you can just see his leg <laughs> up, up there uh, downstairs. But yeah, I think that's just you know we needed something like that, didn't we? You know, it, it's been far too long since, you know, even we had the ninetieth minute winner. I think we saw a stat the the last time Everton scored a 90th minute winner was against Watford on Bonfire, bonfire yeah, Night in 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that Leighton Baines penalty was the last time it happened, and we still still nearly drew that game thanks to a, at the time, Tom Cleverley yeah, penalty, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we needed just something like that, you know, something to really uplift the fans and, uh, you, know, as, you know, as you said at the start of the podcast, you know, push us towards those European places again. It's put us firmly back in that fight and, uh, you know, speaking of fight as well, the, the players really showed that fight and desire. You know that you know not many of us would have expected after going two 0 down. And Gav, the first ninetieth minute minute winner away from home, if I'm not mistaken, since Tom Cleverley on Boxing, Boxing Day, Day, yeah, twenty fifteen yeah. was that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we, me and Adam were talking about this on the, on, on, in the afterwards on the way home on Sunday and sort of saying. You know, there's Evertonians and the Gallows humour. It's you know, we'd all say, "Oh, it's been forever since we've won away from home in the 90th minute." But the reality is, it's been forever. Yeah, it's just something we tend. I mean, we've got the horrible stats about how many 90th minute goals you can see this season yeah. than anybody else this season. So it was good that the boot was literally on the other foot, especially so soon after the Newcastle game as well. Yeah. Um, and um, we got two. We got two in at the time in the first exactly, half, didn't yeah. we? So combine the two things together, it's quite a. Uh, Compelling story, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I thought fair play to the the lads when he went down to ten men on on Saturday. We didn't notice as much because he made a couple of substitutions for players who were absolutely for one of a better phrase knackered. Yes. So the energy of the ten players, including the two or three new subs, was the same as the eleven players with two tired players. I thought so. Mm. It was going down to ten men was an absolute disaster. Um, an, an interesting yeah. gap. Sorry to interrupt. Carlo actually said. It fo- helped us focus and stay tight and, 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 and maintain shape. Yeah, well, we did that, didn't we? Uh, and f- that's where the goal from came from, wasn't it? We were compact at the back and there. It was just... We've spoken about for a while, haven't we, about the lack of pace we've had for a number of years yeah. when you see some of the top teams. And we hoped that Marco would have brought that to us, but for one reason or, or another, he didn't. And it was just great on Saturday seeing three players with pace running like they were going for the 100 metres... Gold, it's incredible, it, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah. And I, I would urge people, yeah. if, and I know many of you listening will have watched it like us many, many times, but when I watched it again today, <laughs> keep watching it, that's what I picked yeah. up. I was like, what? They're going hell for leather. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Moyes Keane absolutely bombed on. Oh. The fair play to him, he was the one who started the break in the <laughs> yeah. first place, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, he was... Again, part of his development, uh, nice assist as well, but we will talk about that. But it was just great to see I mean, the only one I could think of, I was just trying to think off the top of my head, that was probably, remember when Barkley scored that goal at Newcastle, which is like about mm. six years ago, where him and Lukaku had kind of absolutely like yeah. different from our dead to our yeah. penalty area, apart from Ross didn't pass like Richarlison, he, mm. he scored. And that was the last one I can remember where we've had away from home, we've we've bombed on, you know, really with, with speed. I thought it was, a, you know, even allowing for Moyes Keane's whatever pass, um, it was a really well-worked goal. We spoke about Richardson at, at, at some length, didn't we, on, on Friday and even the Friday before. You've seen his quality there. And that's I mean, what you're getting yeah, from yeah. him, isn't it? Relatively yeah. quiet, I think Adam would agree. Yeah. Relatively quiet yeah. in the day, but still had 
power, the pace, and, and, the, and as you say, the quality, Gav. Yeah, that's to look up. And a difference maker. Yeah, to, to look up. That's what top players do, and that's why he's been sort of valued for the bids or not bids, or whatever you mm-hmm. would call it, because of those key moments. That's something he's really developed since, and to be fair, in his 18 months, he's really learned a lot. I, I would imagine if you looked at Richarlison now to when he first joined the club, which was still half decent, you'll see a really different type of player. Yeah. I, I always get the impression, with all due respect to the other players, he thinks just slightly differently. Mm. The, to, the, the, to the other players in the squad, he's sort of operating on a slightly different level. And it doesn't come off to him. Sometimes it doesn't come off, but on Saturday, you could. What, what I liked about it, I thought, first of all, I thought, pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? And at the last minute, I don't know whether it was like more accident than design, before he passed it, he actually took the ball away from the defender, didn't he? Just to give him a little mm-hmm. extra space. Mm-hmm. To, to pass the uh, to pass to pass the through ball to, to Keane, otherwise there was a chance the, the defender would have blocked blocked it off because he was quite touch tight to him, and I don't know whether he meant that or not. But when you look at it, that's a really clever. To me, thing it felt to instinctive. Do. Like yeah, just, yeah, that's yeah. just what he, he knew he was. He had and to do. Uh, it was like he put the ball on the plate for Moyes Keane, and he put out the ball on the plate well for Theo. Second plate for yeah. Theo. And, and to be fair, Theo had, had a nightmare. I thought. I mean, there was two. There was two times, one in the second half, you should have played Cavalu and they ended up passing that out for the, for the goal we, kick, wasn't we, it? We were, talk, like that, we were yeah. talking to him about that after the game yeah. and he was just saying, I completely cramped up. Like yeah. His leg just completely cramped because he was that tired and he still managed that sprint at yeah, the end. Yeah, and uh, the other one was, he, we had an overload on the right-hand yeah. side in the area and he could have played Schneiderlin yeah. and the ball went behind him. You know, so he'd not had a great afternoon. It's good th- the good thing about Theo, and that's why he's had a long career, I suppose, is... He doesn't really hide, you know. He, he sort of, it was even maybe a little bit of the first goal. Doesn't hide, kept going at the end. He, you know, it was like bottom of Anfield in 2008, wasn't it? All them years ago, where he's, he just he's retained his pace, yeah, and mm. that has not deserted him. Yeah. All the things that we can level at Theo Walcott, <clears throat> and I'm sure fans would have plenty to say that they think yeah. he, he's he's not up to scratch. On he's still a threat with pace, and 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 Adam, you know, you touched on this in a piece, and we were talking about it. <clears throat> he's got to offer more in terms of productivity and assists and goals. But when we saw that graphic from Marcel Brands at the general meeting of options in each position, it's clear, and, in, and Marcel said, we need to go and find a right winger. But, you know, it, it, is there actually a, a, a call to say that, that Theo actually has gone from being a player that people would have been fairly content with being moved out? Is he now actually somebody that we can utilise for the remainder of his contract and actually use well and, and he can actually be a weapon in terms of because when it does come and fall into place he's still he's still a, he's still an option and still a threat well I think he's always been that hasn't he and I think the, the problem that we've had throughout his time in Everton is just to be able to consistently get that out of him like we had it for his first few weeks he, you know, yeah. he scored a couple of goals against Leicester uh, got one against Newcastle as well a couple of weeks after that didn't yeah. he and you know you're thinking to yourself oh maybe we've got you know what Arsenal couldn't could never get out of Theo Walcott you know this sort of consistency you know and Silver's always was always a fan of Walcott he, he always he always seemed to make a point that he had a few very different types of wingers and Walcott was almost in his own sort of bracket that mm. you know that kind of pacey sort of winger that we don't really sort of have so I, I think that's still the case we don't really have a player with, well, a wide player at least with the kind of qualities that Theo Walcott has, he does have a good eye for goal. He doesn't consistently find the back of the net, but you know, you know that yeah. that, that goal against Bournemouth last season. I always go back to you know that's somebody who's got a real real eye for a good finish. 
he's somebody who wants to play up front uh, on occasion as well. So, yeah, he, he can offer us a lot over, you know, the the coming weeks, months, years of his contract, perhaps. But As we said, he's got an opportunity now in the 13 games that remain in. Well, yeah. Given the, the lack of options on that right-hand side, he has got a real window, it would appear, to try and stake a claim. Well, al- almost. He, he needs to look at what Marcel Brands was saying in that general meeting as a bit of a challenge to him. He's mm. like, all right, well, I've, I've made no secret, really, that we're going to be looking for a right midfielder in the summer. Now it's your turn to prove yeah. why you why you can stay involved in the squad, stay with the team uh, when that right midfielder comes in. And, you know, it is just about consistency for Walcott over these 13 games. And if he can provide, you know, this sort of consistency, especially and grab a few goals and assists over these next 13 games, then, you know, he cannot still offer something for Everton next season, definitely. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, he scored a lot of goals, hasn't he, considering? I mean, he's not... A being a starter by any stretch of the imagination throughout his career, I think he's coming up to 500 appearances at club level. I think a third of them have been off the subs bench. I'd like mm. to think how many of the games he started. He's actually completed the full 90, so he's not got, you know, he's, he's played lots of games, but there's still like a lot in the tank, if you know what I mean. And he's got 120 odd goals in 500 games, which, when you consider the starts subs balance, is quite a good ratio. And he's got, he's got that six, he's scored four, hasn't he, in games. For, and for somebody who's not a striker as such, that's quite a decent record. It's got a hat trick for England, hasn't he? Of course. I think I think he could be one of them players. Like you know, we talk about Bernard that actually four four two maybe suits him a little bit more. Where he can just sit sit in deeper and he's got more space to run mm. into than playing further up the pitch. And I'm just wondering whether that you know maybe helps him. Um, certainly helped on Saturday, didn't it? Uh, but he's, he's playing a little bit deeper and he's got more space, as I say. And yeah, yeah he's got a good opportunity. Like we spoke about. Uh, Ancelotti's options in the summer. He's got an he's got an opportunity to 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 sort of maybe not cement a first team, play some right wing because I still think we have to right wing it anyway. Yeah. But 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 not making an automatic selection, which is what you want as a manager. Where we're buying a right winger, he's going to go in straight away. Yeah, actually, I'm going to buy a right winger to get competition between the two, and I still think that's open to him. He's on decent wage. He probably ain't going to be going anywhere from Everton. Well, I was going to say that, that's always the conversation. The always yeah. that's always the but, isn't it? I guess. With Richard, um, sorry, with Walcott when he's oh, Freudian slip there, Phil. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> with yeah, Walcott yeah. when he's produced something positive, yeah. is that it's the consistency to what we're paying in ratio, etc. And that's always part of the discussion, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that, that's what it should be as well, shouldn't it? And uh, yeah, no complaints. I, I was pleased for Walcott on uh, on Saturday. I'm nice in front of our away fans, isn't it? Which is, oh yeah, which is as good as what it gets. And uh, f- fair play after that. Actually, what was a so <laughs> being kind of moderate. 45 minutes well, till Mr. Meaner uh, yeah. uh, turned up, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and indeed, yeah, and, and plenty for, for Carlo to, to work on still, but a, a really positive performance in the second half and, 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 and positive result. Go on, then, where, where do we sit on, on, on Keane? That's a second assist for him in the league this season. <laughs> the first is when he charged down a Rui, Rui Patricio goal kick or clearance. The second yeah. was on Saturday at Watford. Was that a subtle, wonderfully... Uh, executed pass or was that a fluffed <laughs> shot um, <laughs> I'll I put it this way I wouldn't have wanted them to pass in the circumstances yeah. um, if I was the manager if I was Richarlison I'm, you know, I was just thinking about Richarlison's thoughts well, I've run the full length of the pitch here put on a play for you and you've uh, you've sliced <laughs> it wide you know um, I thought it was a it was a shot but you know he deserved that little bit of luck 
this season. He did, he well, he was in the right yeah. position. He'd got if himself there. Mm. If he'd have missed it, and he'd, if he'd have sliced it wide and gone off for the goal kick, he quite rightly would have got a bit of stick. But he got, he deserved that little bit of luck. And that's just a sign maybe that is, uh, you know, his fortunes are changing. And he was the one who won the ball back on, on the did. break. And uh, fair play to him. And he, he looked pretty sharp again when he, he came on. And, uh, you know, he did motor. Certainly did. The pitch when they seen him on, uh, on Saturday, mm. he did most of that. Uh, do you think about Saturday? I don't know when he's up. He had him in Because on. I said, <laughs> no stupid things you notice during the game is 2 0, he scores to make it 2 1. There's about like a minute left at half time and stuff until you know, the break. And then he picks the ball up and he starts running back to the halfway line with the ball. I'm thinking, why are you doing that? Yeah, <laughs> we don't want them to kick off, we don't want them to yeah. give them the ball back. but Obviously, he knew something that we did like that, you know. Well, sp- well, speaking of people being due luck, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's had goals ruled out for uh, against West Ham. Damn, we yeah, still yeah, don't yeah, feel yeah, why yeah. he's ruled. Yeah. He's had goalies pull off saves. Probably they'll never make the rest of the yeah. season from headers. He was due a goal, wasn't he? Nineteen shots he had on, yeah. on goal before uh, before yeah, he yeah. Ma- finally managed to get that one in, and you know. The one that eventually went in was probably the easiest goal he's kind of scored in his whole career. Yeah. Like literally a yard to- out. To end it, yeah, all it. he needs was just poke it in. But I think, you know, all credit to him. You know, especially for that second goal. I think his header. You know, in holding off, I think he's a Cathcart who's yes. trying to mark yeah. him. You know, he, he does really well. Like physically dominates Cathcart there, and it's a really good header. But I think fair play to the two set pieces as well. Yeah, I think set our set pieces against Watford were much much improved. Mm. From yeah. what we've seen throughout the majority of the season, thought Dean's ball in for the first one, you know, was really good. It caused absolute havoc, and then it uh, Sigurdsson's ball in. Oh, here he is! Here he is! Thanks, <laughs> You are being recorded. Yeah, as <laughs> promised, everybody. Dave has uh, has uh, finally joined us. Carry on, Ad. I can I can only apologise. I've been talking about the Grand National to an American journalist who could talk. I've only just managed to put the phone down. On Go on, Ad. So. Carry but on yeah, about yeah, no, our, our set pieces were great. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, I think uh, Prenner would like this stat. Actually, I there just had go. a look. I think I think. Facing that mean is only the second defender, third defender to score two goals in the first half for us in, in a game. Derek Manfield's going to be one. Manfield at Sunderland in '84. Yeah. I think there was one in the 1910, something like that. You know, so right. uh, I think Billy Cook. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing. But he got used to get one in a game in the penalty. But yeah, it's, it's well due. You know, like absolutely. Bu- well, like buses, you know, wait. All season, one another one turns up straight away. And that won't do his confidence any harm, will it? Just as being a player. Yeah. Breno, mm-hmm. um, as I asked the lads, how many times have you watched back the winning goal from Saturday? <laughs> well, the first thing I did, because I spent how long on Saturday afternoon trying to find, I shouldn't really be saying this, should I? That, <laughs> a, a, a pub showing uh, yes. the match. And it uh, failed miserably. Um, I ended up uh, around Waterloo, where normally you've got half a chance to see him on. And uh, I saw some very disconsolate-looking Evertonian trudging down South Road and says, Dave, it's not on anywhere. I've looked. I thought, all right, okay. So I had to go and join Ronnie Goodless and Karen Radio Merseyside uh, back home. So the first thing I did when when the goal uh, was scored was after sitting down again and composing myself, (laughs) was was looking at Twitter, uh, just Keenan Theo Walcott. And then was sure enough, you know, there was a stream and it was. So I watched that several times. I then did the uh, the Sky Match Choice thing later on. Uh, Then I watched Match of the Day. So a rough guess, probably about 
two dozen times I've seen this. But it was, it was, it was just great. Everything about it. I mean, Richarlison's run was just tremendous. And yeah. again, emphasising what we've said in this room so many times, how important he is to Everson. Uh, Maurice Keane's very calculated <laughs> assist. Well, we've just, ju- I've just asked this very question. Yeah. Was it a calculated no, no pass? Chance. Or no <laughs> chance. It was a shot that he scuffed. Uh, but, you know, fair walk off, fair play to him. Incredible energy to actually get up the pitch to, you know, to support the, uh, the break. And, I know people talked about him knocking it in at the far post, but it was a slightly more difficult mm-hmm. effort than people are getting yeah. the credit for. You know, he was on an angle, he had to drill it, you know, the goalkeeper was trying to get back to cover. So it was a decent enough finish. And then the celebrations, I love that image of the fan who's upside down mm-hmm. with his ankles yeah. in the air. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, what did they call it? Limbs. Limbs, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was tremendous. And Carlo saying to us afterwards that he couldn't join in the touchline sprint. <laughs> if, if I run, I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think That's my favourite let's talk about our form though need to be due, given some due credit um, last 10 games 19 points only the uh, our, our friends across the park have had more um, we're, we're banging in the fight for Europe aren't we Prenant? 100% uh, and it's good to hear them talking so boldly about that after the game you don't want to hear people saying, oh, no, no, we'll just play each game as it comes and see you know, so where we end up at the end of the season. You've got to have some attainable targets. And it is attainable. I mean, to actually do that, we need to show consistency. And we are starting to do that under Carlo. We tend not to think that we are because of the one big disappointment, which was the FA Cup you know, result, that you know, tends to you know, deflate you know, to any talk of momentum and stuff. But in league terms alone... Yeah, you know, the results are looking decent. Fixtures, you know, there's some tricky ones in there, admittedly, but, you know, they're not absolutely formidable. So, and the way everybody else is, like, so inconsistent in the Premier League this season, yeah, you know, it's definitely attainable. Uh, why not aim for it? And I know it's a different argument altogether. I'd be delighted to see us in the Europa League next season, even if that does mean, you know, kicking off the season in July. You know, so be it. I mean, Carlo again said afterwards he's used to managing... Uh, three games, uh, three days at a time. Mm. Uh, it's quite alien to him having a full week to prepare for matches. You know, so it's something he's comfortable with. Uh, and it's if, if you've got aspirations to be, you know, so a high-profile club, a big club, you've got to be in Europe. So yeah, why not aim for it? And Carlo is in Europe almost all his career, isn't he? I think something like twenty-one out of the twenty-four or five seasons he's been a manager. He's been in Europe. Um, Government and, and it's a stat you've you've used on here uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, what do we think the, the the number crunches have said would get us to fifth. Fifty six or fifty seven, don't they? Based on you know fifth. game, yeah, it will be you wow. know high fifties a little bit. No Spurs won at the weekend, maybe gone up a little points, but now you're talking. I mean, Moyes' first full season, he finished seventh with with fifty nine. You know, mm. so you, you, fifth with fifty about the same number. It shows you how you know congested the bottom sort of eighteen are really, and it's eminently achievable. And um, I think. We've got a few tough away games, but we know that we know the quality of the Premier League this year's games that in the past you thought we well, don't fancy that. You'd be saying, Well, actually, we're on the up in our league form. Other teams aren't as good as what they've been in the past. They'll have pressure. You can take advantage of that. And it's a really good point. What Pleno says there, and he talked about and when we were assessing, I mean, I didn't, I'm quite happy to say, I didn't, wasn't particularly a fan of Carlos appointments. Is that point was not raised, actually, I can't remember saying. About your playing in Europe under Carlo would be different in terms of handling the pressure than previous managers because, as you say, he's done it with big clubs for twenty odd years, mm. and that's exactly what your manager 
manager you want, isn't it? You know, it's got all that experience and uh, we need Europa League football for financial footballing reasons, reputational profile reasons. I cannot understand why you would not want it. To be honest with you, because oh, we may do well in the league well, next year. Well, we've said that before. We've not necessarily done well in the league the following year, have and, we? And know? the impression I got, and Preda mentioned what Carlo had said. You, you kind of got the impression from what you were saying about managing every three days, and that's what he's comfortable with. You must feel like as a manager, that's what we get the best out of him in that scenario. So, some managers, yeah. some man, like all employees, like you get some employees who are the most effective when they're busy. Yeah, yeah. You give them downtime, they, they lose their their impact. Mm. And it's, I, I think I think Carlo is definitely one of those managers. A bit like players who would rather play two times would be the monster. We the more effective. Like yeah, I, I mean, think, footballers think, can yeah. play can do that as well. Yeah. Everton have done this. You know, yeah. was it two thousand and eight when you know Moyes had the absolutely was it fifth place finish in the Premier League and was it last sixteen of the Europa League and you still remember you know sort of that. You hesitate to call it a run because you know getting to the last sixteen isn't really the latest stages of the competition, but it was still a really enjoyable. You know, the Bram Bergen games in the uh, the previous round, the Fiorentina game is still talked about. You know, because of the the atmosphere in the second leg, and they were memorable occasions. And there's no reason why it can't be done again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that, we were playing League Cup semi final that year as That's well. Right, course, we yeah. saw, we yeah. played. A, yeah. Yeah, but, when we were at the peak number of games between October and March, I think we only lost two out of 19, 21. We only started losing games, paradoxically, when we went out to Europe. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a real aspect of Carlo's management that things may be being missed in his assessments, and I think that's a really fair point, to be honest with you. Good stuff. Right, let's move on to the uh, questions that have come in uh, from social media. Everton, DC Gal, um, would you buy John Stones back? Talk yeah. of him leaving City potentially in the summer. Would we have him back? Yeah, in a, in a heartbeat. Yes. <laughs> You've just taken my words out of my mouth. I'm going to use exactly that phrase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's. I, I still think he's a fantastic defender. You know, he obviously still young and he's still got a lot to learn. But you know, I, I, I still think he's one of the best defenders that I've seen at Everton in years and years. You know, the the kind of glass ceiling that he's got is so high if he lives up to his potential. He was so good on the ball. It seems like to me like he'd fit into a Carlo Ancelotti system of this, you know, quickly playing off from the back. It seems like he'd fit into that perfectly. And you know, I can't, I can't shake the thought of like a prospect of you know, perhaps him and Mina, him, him and Mina, or him and Holgate. Like, yeah, I think that'd be, well, I think that'd be amazing. That would be the, my my follow up question then to, to Gavin Preno. Um, does he come in as a, as a automatic starter because he wouldn't leave? City to go and be third choice, would he? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. But you know, that's what football squads are all about. You know, you've got to you know prove that you've earned the rights to have that place. Funny enough, the name that you mentioned there, Adam, is the one that is the only rider uh, I would put into that. The answer is so yes, I would definitely take him. But Mason Holgate has really surprised me this season. Um, you know, just with the, the rate of progress. Um, he's looking such an authoritative, assured individual, um, <coughs> you know, even being used in midfield on occasions, um, and has just come out of nowhere, really. You know, to spend the season on loan at West Brom, playing largely right back, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so to come back and actually, you know, show the presence that he has, and he's holding down a first choice place, you know, so deservedly mm-hmm. so now. You know, so Michael Keane can't have any complaints because, you know, so Mason Holgate is playing very, very well. But 
if you're in Europe, you know, you need to have a strong squad. And, you know, John Stones is an international footballer. He's a, a young footballer, as we've just said. Um, and he's something a bit different to your average defender. He's so comfortable in possession and so capable of building. He's had tricky moments at Manchester City, but he's only going to have improved as a result of that, you know, sort of temperament-wise, experience-wise. He's going to be a better person and a better footballer for having gone through those times. Uh, I don't really see any negatives unless City put a prohibitive transfer fee on his head. Well, of course. Uh, but that apart, you know, so I don't really see there being any argument why you wouldn't take him back. Mm. Um, Jake Marley on, on Holgate asks, is Holgate's best position centre-back or central midfield, Gav? Um, good question. On the Stones thing, yes, by the way, just, yeah, <laughs> sorry, right, just, yeah. to, uh, just to say... Yes, I have him back in a heartbeat, but in terms of if you've got a limited sum of budget, mm. his central defence one area, the pitch you want to further spend, further, further spend money when mm. you may want to buy midfielders. So he, he he's on Man City wages, remember? Yeah, so it's just definitely, I think you'd have to factor that in. Yeah. Um, uh, Mason Hallgate, best centre back or. Centre mid. Well, you could you say, vis a vis the, the, the previous question, you could say bring Stones is in centre half and play Mason Hallgate in <laughs> midfield and save yourself a midfielder, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I think I just think physically, it looks to me, is he big enough to be a top class centre half? Is he? Is he? I know he's will grow, but you think centre centre? You know, can can, sure you, not, can you not be a leading centre half, but not necessarily have the, have the height? You know, I'm, bad example. But Man City bought. Nicholas Otamendi and, he, yeah. and he's won a hell of a lot of things there. I know he doesn't necessarily need yeah. yeah. okay. to be an effective centre half. Yeah, and I'm just asking that you know. I mean, Costa, that w- Costa Curta wasn't uh, not Costa Curta. Sorry, um, Cannavaro was not yeah, the biggest, yeah. is he? Yeah, he signed. Should have signed. Who was the Portuguese? Like yeah. Chelsea, uh, Carvalho maybe. Yeah. Carvalho yeah. is like yeah, not the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's a, a poor centre half because he's not big enough. What I'm saying is that like that. If you're saying which way would you play him mm. on the pitch, that's what I would factor in. You know that a player who is built appears to be to be far more suited to to midfield. Um, I'd like to see him give him. He needs to play a few more games before I'm convinced he's the, you know, the the, the absolute solution. Uh, it's not played enough for me. Um, but based on what I've seen so far, I don't know. You know, I think I think this was good when he came on the midfield on uh, on Saturday, wasn't he? Mm, and he was yeah. good at Old Trafford. And I don't think he's a midfielder. Yeah, okay. I, I don't see I that at all. But he's, he's had cameos where he's done okay. Yeah. I mean, that United performance, he was basically glued to Tom Davis, was it? You know, yeah. sort of just watching everything he does. You know, just <laughs> yeah. mimic me. He, he looked like he was definitely playing out of position and just getting through it. Yeah, that's maybe he was just getting a bit excited about it. So I'd say, I think Prano was right. I think he'd say, and you'd say centre half. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, sticking with defence for the time being, Alad Powell uh, picking up on, on obviously a um, big discussion we had in the last pod, and obviously Anthony Robinson's move to AC Milan didn't happen in the end. Um, Alad asks, is it worth buying back Anthony Robinson and letting Baines leave in the summer? Um, if Baines, well, if Baines is going to go in the summer, I think we do need a left back who's going to be challenging Dean certainly. Whether it be, should be Robinson or not. Hard, isn't it? Like, would he would he want to come back? I, th- I think is if the, if the situation had changed, you know, if he's if he's if he's an opportunity or opportunities are, are improved because he's now number two mm. behind Luca Dean rather than number three behind Dean and Baines. Yeah, perhaps. And then you you presume it's going to have to be a, a similar price of deal, which was a deal worth ten million, wasn't it? With six what, up front, six, yeah. six up front. You know, it's it's not it's not a lot of money. 
know, if we if we were convinced that Robinson could go on and be, you know, the the player that we all thought he could be, you know, a couple of years ago when he was first coming through the ranks, then I wouldn't be against bringing him back, not not at all, because you know he's, you know, I think we poo poo this a lot, a lot mm. but you know he is somebody who gets the club, he understands the inner machinations of how Everton works, so yeah. Yeah, I suppose I, I wouldn't be against it personally. No, I've not seen massive amounts of him. I have to say, I mean, Joe Royal used to rave about him uh, when I spoke to Joe about him, and I saw him playing a couple of checker trade trophy games before he got a serious injury. Mm. Uh, so you know, where he looked, you know, it's like he was possibly poised to, to break through. Letting him go on loan makes me think that you know they weren't entirely convinced uh, at the club that he could progress. Um, I, I'm not so sure. I think Baines possibly does need, you know, so somebody to come in and take that place. And I love Baines, as you know, I've like you know, talked about him so positively in here. And whenever he has appeared on occasions this season, he's been great. He's not letting anybody speed. down. Yeah. Could he do that again for another season? I don't know. I mean, a lot depends on what they're seeing on the training pitch, what his numbers produce in terms of his fitness levels and his ability to play, you know, so semi-regularly, because obviously he is going to be back up for, for Lucas Dean. But... I do think possibly a younger prospect is required uh, to come in. Whether Anthony Robinson is that player, I don't know enough about him to be honest mm. to say he is or he isn't. Yeah, I think Adam's right about. It depends on the player, doesn't he? Do you, do you got first team football? You've left first team football. Do you want to come back and then be reserve again? And, and I think in Everton's source of value, be perceived as a bit of business. You sell a player for what did we sell him for? A couple of million. Well, in, in, in the when was that? Was that last in summer? summer? In the summer, yeah. yeah. And you're buying a back. 12 months later for yeah. six, does that we've, look we've like? We've done it before, yeah. Leighton Baines, Phil Jagielka. Yeah, but <laughs> they, 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 they'd not played, oh uh, yeah, yeah, they'd not played for us though, had they? They'd, yeah. they'd been... They were youngsters, yeah. Young, yeah. Youngsters, and like, youngsters, youngsters, aren't they? You know, that, that, that would seem to be a strange bit of business for me, and I, I don't mm. necessarily agree. I think Baines, he could be another year, to be honest with yeah, you, yeah. I've seen. It goes back to what we want to use with your transfer funds. You, we can't, you can't answer questions about individual players you've mm. got to see in the context of Everton's transfer kit and where yeah. the parties are of the squad aren't they you know we can't say yeah buy in buy in buy in we did that under Cuban it didn't work <laughs> we've, got, we've got we've got to see it within what our priorities are and then make pass that judgment afterwards you know um, another question from Jake uh, Coleman with Coleman no longer guaranteed a starting place uh, who's the best player currently in the squad uh, to take over as captain moving forward oh, that's a great question <laughs> yeah uh, there isn't one I mean, in the current squad, nobody absolutely, you know, so strikes me as being, you know, an absolutely authoritative leader. Um, well, I'll put one out here. I think we have discussed him in the past, um, and I, I'm, I was reliably informed a, a few months ago, early in the season, that there's people inside Finch Farm who think Yerry Mean has got captaincy potential. Yeah. We have mentioned him previously, and yeah, you know, the fact that he's still relatively new to the football club, you know, makes you think that that's the only bar that is preventing him having the armband at the moment. Uh, yeah, that, I certainly wouldn't rule that one out. Uh, but we've said many times that there is a definite lack of you know real leaders, a real presence in that squad. Uh, Mina clearly has presence. I don't know what his communication, you know, sort of skills are like. You know, so the rest of the squad through the medium of dance, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to give him the armband just for that dance, to be honest. And the looks on the Watford fans' faces. While we're here, just a, a shout out to County Road Bobblers on Twitter, yes. who actually tweeted an hour before kickoff. Yeri Mina dancing with the tweet, spoiler alert, he's scoring today. <laughs> yeah. Phil, Phil, back me up. 
in the press room before the game, didn't I say Theo Walcott was going to score today? I believe you did, yes. Well, tell me these things in advance so I can yeah, get yeah. some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good telling me I now. Think, yeah, I, ne- well, I very nearly <laughs> put that bet on. It looked even more impressed you did it on the podcast, so it was there for everybody to hear on the Friday. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do that, the podcast, not just the, uh, yeah. the result, but scorers. You, know? yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, you, yeah. you go through the rest of the squad and... Gomez, maybe, um, you know, so when he's fitting back again. We don't know about Gabamin because we haven't seen him, yeah. so we don't know quite what qualities he has. Um, but no one really jumps at me. P- people that have had the armband this season, I mean, Tom Davis is, is so young, and to have it, mm. to me, that indicates, you know, so how lacking we are in the actual candidates. Gilfie Sigurdsson, he doesn't really give you the impression as being a vocal enough, you know, so inspirational enough person to have the armband. Uh, and then obviously, it's, you know, being shameless when he's available. So, yeah, it's a, a gap in the squad that needs addressing at the moment. And for me, no one really screams out at the moment. The fact that Yerry Meehan is being talked about as, as, a, as a likely one suggests that, you know, it's something that needs looking at. Adam, any... Uh... Uh, I think I'm happy enough with Luca Dean having the armband for the time being. I think he's, I think he's certainly vocal enough on the pitch. I think Absolutely, we saw, yeah. that, saw that against Wofford. He seems to be a popular member of the squad. Uh, you know, he seems to... He represents Everton well, both on the pitch and off the pitch. I think he's he's certainly a worthy candidate for me for for now. And then you know if you know if Mina is to realise this potential over the next few years, then maybe we can have a look at it. Maybe we bring somebody in who's got that captain's feel about him. And but yeah, I, I think I'm happy enough with it. With you know with the people who are going to be likely to start games for the rest of the season, I think I'd be happy with Luca Dean having it. Does it matter anymore, Gav? Has the armband? Is it arbitrary? Is it is it is it something you know that modern football shouldn't worry itself with? Yeah, looking after the fines and all that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> organising the uh, post-season trip to Magaluf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point. Well, we keep on asking, saying that we want leaders in clubs and stuff like that, don't we? So we can't have it both ways. You can't say the captaincy doesn't matter and then say, oh, there's no leaders on the pitch. You know, that, yeah, symbolically, it has to be. Um, what's been said before? Yeah, Dean. Yeah, I think Mina. Which I, who first proposed the captaincy? I go back December two thousand and eighteen. I first. You said. did. And then he went on a stinking run, didn't he? Because <laughs> like, yeah. um, I think. By the way, are we worried that when Plano says quite correctly that we don't appear to have any people who? Obviously, captain material is that an issue for us? So that's just the way the personality and mix of the squad is. No, know, I think so it is an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so the successful football clubs have leaders. Okay. You know, they have like three or four players. They might not necessarily wear the armband, but they have authority. They have presence. You know, they have you know, so the ability to you know, so get messages across. Uh, yeah. You need players like that, and we don't really have enough of them. Yeah, because I think as you're saying, like. Bring somebody in. I mean, do you think Delf was maybe brought in to well, he definitely gets his message across, of, uh, doesn't he? I don't think yeah. anybody can deny that Delf yeah. doesn't make himself heard. Though so obviously yeah. he didn't do himself any favours. Though I thought he got he was that's a hot, that's he was a hard off that. Off, yeah, I thought he was actually okay on Saturday. Mm. Delph, I know that yeah. he was maybe a fall for the second goal, as were a number of um, Everton players, by the way. But I thought the way he came out of defence a few times, we don't see that from midfield. Yeah, I thought he was, he was okay. He, he's, a, he's a good player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's no problem there. You know, I understand why some fans have got an issue with him. You know, so over his social media comments but no he was very unlucky to get the red card yeah, I thought he was uh, but going back to the question I would probably say Delph Amina maybe a shout out or would you want a beard and Richardson with the captaincy oh, big call mm. um, big responsibility for a young player isn't it yeah, yeah I don't know yeah, I, he is we're told a player who takes not scoring or defeats really to heart and I don't know does he need the added 
yeah. burden of being the leader. That, that, the, that, yeah. That's the only... You would like to think in two or three years' time, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. he was still here. Well, we hope he's still it's here. Weird, he will be, Gav. Sometimes it inspires players having the armband. Sometimes it can be a burden, like you say. I'm just thinking of... It's not often that strikers wear the armband, but Duncan Ferguson famously was handed it by Howard. And to say he was inspired by it is an understatement. You know, he was a different person with that armband yeah. on. So it can have a really positive effect. Yeah. It did the council as Alan Ball was made captain, and that was a very you know sort of contrary effect. So you can have sort of leaders without the armband oh, as well, can't you? Like Tim, Tim Cahill's yeah. probably probably the biggest yeah, one that absolutely. I can remember. Yeah, I you know, he, he was a huge leader of that team, but very rarely wore the armband, if ever. Yeah, so. there was times when we had like we Stubbs all in the same team. We were all you know all captain the team. We're all played together. So. I'm more interested in Pano's point really the fact that actually there's no obvious choice than than the other the converse of like well, who would be the captain. Right, Gav, and Gav, just quickly, what would you what would you rather have? Would you rather have a team of different personalities, but you have like a, a, a core or two or three really strong leaders, yeah. or is the balance and the harmony of a squad more important? And you have a a it, sort of t- a togetherness, if you like, and. I, I think I think years ago you'd want two or three strong leaders when everybody was like English or, or British, sorry, or Irish, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, where you could have that bonding. Where two, you had like how it seemed in the mid eighties, you had like quite a few. I think now, given changes in daily, like say wider society and how players are treated, and that you've got sensitive balances within the the squad of like different languages, different backgrounds, different cultures. I think probably the latter, mm. where you want a more even feel across the squad maybe that but avoiding two or three big personalities you probably even if you didn't come from the same country you probably wonder <laughs> what, what are they about you know I think years ago we could get away with it I'm not sure we didn't get away with it in modern football does, does that naturally as, as, as much as there's positive huge positives in having those that leadership strong leadership group if you like does that not also run the risk of creating Frac- okay, that's what I mean, and, and that's, the one, thing, that's the one thing you don't want in a football. Yeah, in a, in a football squad, in it is, and that's why like some great teams have fallen apart about that, you know, like that. So yeah, I think I think you want a bit of a. It's all about quality, isn't it? You want a, a nice level field, you know, and, and you know the best teams in the Premier League have got that, haven't they? Really, I think they've got like okay, they've got leaders, but there's no absolutely two or three massive personalities yeah. are running the. Mm. Uh, Running, running the squad, are they? You know. Okay. Uh, last question that's come in, and uh, thanks very much for all your uh, questions. Uh, Ryan Holroyd, is Iwobi unfairly criticised, of course, back in the team against Watford for the first time under Ancelotti, obviously after a hamstring injury? Um, Ad? Yes. <laughs> uh, simple answer. I think certainly on Saturday, I think he was unfairly criticised by a lot of people, you know, considering... He had spent, you know, over, right on over a month on the sidelines. Yeah, I think we we mentioned, I think we definitely mentioned at half-time that he was probably our most bright player in mm. terms of creativity out, outside the box, you know. I think he, he mentioned today that, he, you know, he, he does like, Ancelotti likes starting him from the left, but he he quite likes that under Ancelotti because he gets that chance to uh, drift inside and affect the game a little bit more centrally. And I think we were starting to see that a little bit. Uh, obviously, there were quotes from him earlier in the week as well, where he says he, he knew he, that he wasn't perfect. You know, his reaction times were a little bit off, but you know that's always going to be the case when you spend a month on the sidelines. So I think you know, keep giving him the amount of game time. You know, keep keep getting him up to that match sharpness again, and we'll see. You know, we we saw a quality player at the start of his Everton career. You know, with those 
two goals in quick su- succession. So, yeah, I think he, we've got a quality player on our hands there, definitely. Any uh, any difference of opinion or any agreement? It's something that, that I think, you know, if you ask Evertonians, I think maybe more, one of the frustrations maybe is a defensive, is he a bit tentative going into challenges? You know what it's like at Goodison if a player doesn't appear to be going full-blooded into a challenge, it, that can be an issue? It, it can be. It's the Goodison law, though, isn't it, that there needs to be a player who's a whipping boy at any one particular <laughs> time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems to be Iwobi at the moment. I think that's harsh, yeah. You know, he's, uh, again, it's a young footballer, mm. still at you know, a different club for the first time in his career. And uh, he settled fairly quickly, I thought, and looked a player. We're not quite sure what the best position is for him, which, which is the issue. Uh, but no, he's certainly got talent. Uh, you know, Arsenal fans were disappointed to see him go. You know, he's, uh, and we still haven't seen the best of him. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to criticise him. You know, he's, he's a decent enough player. We've seen flashes uh, of of decency from, but we're going to see even better. You know, so when he settles and as he grows into the club. Yeah, I agree. I think. There was, he got stick because of Saturday, but there was some good pieces and comments I picked up about saying that people say he loses the ball a lot, but he tends to have all the players who got the one who take is the most take the most risks with their yeah. their passing. So he's losing the ball in in the right areas. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And but what he gets to the award when he gets it right, which happened a few times this season. So sometimes passing stats aren't necessarily the best uh, um, indication, aren't they? I think you don't mind if there's one player in the squad who lose the ball if you know they're trying to. Make things happen. Yeah. Really, you can forgive that. So I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that justification of him on Saturday was was fair. Uh, and I, I think there's a player there, but I think as we say, it's it's the what position he, he uh, he's in, and he's another one who's got a bit of pace and stuff, hasn't yeah. he? You know? Absolutely good stuff. Well, thank you very much, chaps. We'll wrap up there. Thank you very much for your company and. Uh, Excellent, as always, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will reconvene on Friday. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti's pre-match press conference taking place uh, early Friday afternoon ahead of the early kickoff with the Crystal Palace on Saturday. Uh, so we'll be back around the table to pour over what the manager has had to say. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.